Hey, Jason, other Jason here. I'm a big fan of mortar wound tables and scars and things like that. You know, the roll the body over thing. And, and I like that. I think if you hit zero hit points, you roll that death save. If you make it, you're on that mortal wounds table. So I guess the, the question for that, though, is, is that mortal wound in lieu of that damage, right? So I've got three hit points. I'm hit by an attack that does five hit points. I roll my death save, succeed, so I don't die. I roll on the mortal wounds table, and now I've got lame leg minus th three inches movement, whatever, right? At that point, do I, does that, that's in lieu of those five hit points, so I st stay at three hit points? It, it, the mortal wounds table's in lieu of taking any damage. I would go that way, but I'm curious if that was your intent. Okay, talk to you later. All right, all right, Screeters. I'd like to say thank you to Jason. In a quarter Kyle. mile, turn left onto Illinois 176 East. The Nerds RPG Variety Cast Mastermind for his call in. Yes, to answer you directly, Mr. Connerly, the death save at three hit points with a, t a damage of five Turn hit left points. left onto Illinois 176 East. Goodness gracious. You did it the way I was going to do it. The uh, roll on the mortal wounds table is in lieu of that death stroke damage. Some people don't think that's enough, but to me, especially depending on how severe your uh, mortal wounds table is, you know, it could be bad. It still could put you out of the fight just by what it is. Because, I mean, if you're going to make your own mortal wounds table, if you're going to use the axe table... Continue on Illinois 176 East for five miles. If you're going to convert, you know, some of the stuff from Rollmaster, Arms Law, Claw Law, what have you, then the things that happen to you could still be pretty dang bad. Which, I don't know if I would do that with a death save because it's kind of its own thing, right? It's a critical in that situation. But I think a lot of people have used um, Rollmaster-like tables as their inspiration for their uh, mortal wounds table so that's a whole nother thing to work on uh, but it is something that i'm certainly considering i just kind of like the idea of not being out of the fight i think we're going to get another call in about this but i think we're on the same page as is i was going to say as uh it breaks my heart to say as you are we're i think in many ways we kind of feel like a similar game i wish your rules versus a uh, streaming game weren't so stringent because i think uh you uh, will have a good time in my games as i know you have in the past either way thanks for calling in thanks for leading off the show today is friday august 26th 2022 i am jason hobbs and i know this is random screed Hey, Mr. Hobbs, this is Craig Brasco chiming in about your uh, recent screed and also the discussion we had last night in Elliot's game about the death save issue in Taylor's game. Yeah, I really, based on your argument and your comments, I uh, can't help but think of the uh, luck stat in Boot Hill 3rd Edition. Uh, basically, the way damage is done in that game, it's a uh, severity roll, and there's a chance you can get a mortal wound. It's like a D6 roll, and that is means you die. Uh, but you can do a luck check to say, no, I didn't die. So then you have to explain why. 
like for instance, uh, the bullet hit a Bible in my vest pocket or it glanced off my belt buckle, et cetera. So like, I get your argument about you don't actually get reduced to zero hit points. You don't take a physical damage effect. You literally just avoid death. And I know most people are not a big fan of like a luck save in OSR or D&D, but hey, maybe that's what it should be. Talk to you later. The Craig Brasco from CraigBrasco.com. Artiste extraordinaire with some pretty incredible... Um, books on his uh, on his resume that he's done art for the cover of Ambition and Avarice being one good work on that um, Mr. Brasco I'm not sure if it would basically be a luck check in lieu because I kind of feel like the death that's what the death save is right I mean that's what I've been using for quite some time is your character gets hit he goes down you roll the body you make a death save if you can if you make it you survive if you fail it you die that's it that is the extent of it and like i say i have played around with that there's not three death saves there's one death save and it's also kind of morphed and sometimes because the axe uh mortality table which i like to use after the death save if i remember unfortunately i'm I'm not perfect as a GM, and sometimes I don't do it because I forget or whatever. Um, but I need to get better at that. I want to be more consistent with my rulings because I want players to understand what their footing is because I think that's important for them to be able to play the game properly. Because if they don't know what the stakes are or what's going to happen, when what the you know ramifications are of things, then they're not going to be able to make the educated decisions that I want them to be able to make. So... I need to be more consistent with my rulings as an aside. Let's sidebar that. But as far as the death save goes, I like the idea of not having to go down for it unless the morality, then and see if I build up the mortality table myself, it could be you get knocked unconscious. Maybe that's some shenanigans that the characters then have to deal with as an unconscious comrade. I don't know. What I do know is it's effing awesome that Craig Brasco called in. Thank you so much. I haven't heard you in the old random screed for quite some time. So, CraigBrasco.com. Thanks for calling in, brother. Status report. I have to admit, players and screeders and hobgoblins alike, I am struggling right now. The past few days have just been crazy my electrician my all my electronics my tech seems to be having issues i seem to be having issues the customers that i'm engaging with seem to be having issues the bright spot has been the games that i've been playing they have been super fun and a really good escape now i'm not sure escape is the best reason to play games i know some would say that it is and maybe being playful and Che over at Roleplay Rescue knows. I don't know. I have an addictive personality. Uh, so I don't know. It makes me nervous sometimes because I can't always just escape and let the new business and my friendships and my marriage and all those things just go away as I'm escaping because that's too much, right? Everything in moderation, even moderation. But I have been having a lot of good games and uh, this too shall pass. So stay alive, my friends, and let's get into 
the meat of the show, which I think is mostly going to be more responses to death saves in the uh, Ash Coast uh, Taylor's Clerics Bar Ring Mails Chain Mail slash LBB game. But I also want to talk a little bit about the Valley of the Manicore and uh, see what comes of it. Hit it, Arthur. If he is up or down, his podcast still comes round. Hobbs is in his van. Don't turn off that sat nav man. Random screed, random screed. Don't know what you get, but it's what you need. Hey, Jason. This is Taylor over at Clerksware Ringmail, calling in to talk about the brass ziggurat. So, regarding wanting to kill Jeff, I absolutely did want to kill Jeff. He's actually already rolled up an alt, knowing that I want to kill him. <laughs> but the question came down to the resolution, like you noted. So the difference between our Ash Coast game and a standard D&D game is that I'm trying to use Chainmail as our combat resolution. Specifically, we're using the Siege and Skirmish man-to-man rules. And in the man-to-man rules, cover is not specified. In Melee, if you're on improved ground, you get to go first, but the missile weapons table has no considerations for cover, at least not that I can find. So because cover is not defined for missile attacks in chainmail for the skirmish scale, I defaulted to the rule in cover for mass battles, uh, which reads cover Soft cover, such as brush, woods, waist-high fences, and walls, will reduce missile casualties by one-half, drop all fractions. So by that rule, they would have had to hit Jeff twice in order to damage him once, because half of two is one, and half of one is one-half. But because they did hit him, that didn't off-the-cuff seem fair to me. Like, I didn't, I didn't want him sitting up there being invincible, because if you have three slingers, there's a good chance for two hits, but it's not guaranteed. So I made him roll the save, figuring if you hit it, then you're good. If you don't hit it, then you're dead. But in retrospect, was that fair to you in melee and the other melee fighter who were hit by the cultists? Was I going to give you a save versus death to avoid damage? Well, sort of. Like you, and possibly inspired by you in your Kalmata game, I have an injury table that I'm using for the Ash Coast for when a character is taken out. But that's different. That means you've lost the hit points. That means you've already gone down. And some of the options let you stay in the fight. Some of them put you out. And at the end of the day, I, I, do, I agree with you. I, I don't really like it because I don't know if it's fair to the person on the ground, uh, especially knowing that the Longbow gets to fire twice per round if he doesn't move. Now, there is a second entry in cover, as I'm paging through the rulebook, regarding gunpowder weapons. A character armed with an arquebus instead reads, Cover. If the target is up to one-half concealed by hard cover, deduct one from the score rolled on the accuracy die. If the target is over one-half concealed by cover, deduct two from the score. Would that work for our game? Yeah, absolutely. I could have minus one or minus two, but the Archibus 
rolls to hit with 1d6, not 2d6. So I would have had to figure out the probabilities. Can I figure out those probabilities and just apply them? Probably could. Uh, I may do that. Alternatively, now that I'm talking about it, I actually kind of like the idea of having to hit twice in order to take you down if you're in cover. That's representative of the guy in cover intentionally hiding. Conversely, I could use hit locations. Blackmore has them. Say my left arm and my two legs are behind cover. A hit that rolls my left arm or either leg misses. It hit the cover. Simple as that. Now, I may uh, I find myself a little torn. Uh, I like these approaches. I like the different things. And I may have to open up a thread on Discord and see what uh, other folks are saying and see what falls in line uh, in terms of a ruling turned house rule uh, that fits the tone, theme, and experience. So you, you got me thinking. Thank you for doing that. Uh, I owe you a debt of gratitude on that front. In any case, we'll have it ironed out before our return to the ziggurat. Delvon, my man, and I'm a fan of your Mortal Wounds table. All right, all right, Screeters. There was Taylor talking about the cover for his OD&D plus Chainmail game and what he thinks and how he's going to do it after and that was a uh, reciprocation of my uh, reciprocation or my comments on the way he had done it you know a couple weeks before during our first session continue on south fleming road for one mile and continue on bull valley road we for played one mile. we played the game on tuesday a few nights ago and i can tell you it was fun we had some different players we lost ozarker and uh, we added a grave slug and Old good Jeff was there. Maybe he's good old Jeff. I think he's old good Jeff. I'm not sure. He was in the game with Lewis, the impressive one-hit point fighting man. I was again playing Taganus, my seven-strength fighting man. And we had uh, two other players, I believe. Um, Taylor still doesn't have a hex map for the Ash Coast. Um, and he, so he just starts us right at the dungeon we did decide to take some ladders, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, of players' fascination with ladders. Because in the Kalmada game, as Kalmada Afasiandos might remember or know, uh, I've had issues with ladders, javelins, and war dogs, not necessarily in that order. In a quarter mile, turn right onto Country Club Road. But in a game like that, in any game really, a lot of time you are improvising fairly quickly and all you can improvise with is your limited knowledge that you have and your experiences that you're bringing to the table. And in my limited knowledge of my experiences, uh, most of the players are smarter than I am. So sometimes they have to deal with my... Take the next ride on the Country Club Road. <laughs> ...limited experience... Uh, on things and one of those things was certainly ladders i just didn't picture them using ladders in kalmata where the people were continue on country club road for one mile linen wraps and it was once known as a plague location but in most of the buildings aren't even stone and get trashed every monsoon season but ladders are very 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 old historically and uh honestly I, I, th I don't think I could get past the idea of people trying to carry 20-foot ladders through 
a jungle and mountains and hills and swamps and what a pain in the ass that would be where you can be attacked every moment. Uh, regardless, last night through the Deadwood, we traipsed along our two wizards had enough encumbrance room to be carrying the ladders while our, uh, the rest of us, the two um, two fighting men and the hireling that I hired, who is probably a better fighting man than either of the fighting man characters, but that's neither here nor there. Regardless, we made it to the bronze ziggurat, and we found it to be well-guarded compared to what it was before. They had checkpoints at each corner. We were going to uh, hopefully use these ladders to quietly find egress into the gore holes that are pushing out. In a quarter mile, turn right onto Eastwood Drive. Nasty uh, human gore, we think. So we think there's some kind of squishing gore machine inside the ziggurat. But we don't really know what the hell's going on. It just looks like some man-sized holes that we could walk into and get into the internal section of the keep or the ziggurat. And we failed that way. Turn some, right onto Eastwood Drive, then turn left onto East Calhoun Street. We were spotted in our attempts to uh, to make our way into the into the ziggurat into the location we were trying to get to. And then uh, we retreated back to the... Um... Man, I can't see shit. Take the next left onto East Calhoun Street. We retreated back to the, uh, the Deadwood Continue on East for Calhoun cover. Street for half a mile. And eventually they sent... Eventually they sent some people after us. And we got into uh, missile combat with our slingers as their combatants. This time some of them much better armored and prepared with shields and swords to attack. But they had to cross this wide open space between the ziggurat and the deadwood using the cover rules that uh, Taylor so eloquently uh, posited upon. And uh, we did good. We didn't get hit. Uh, Bodemar, my henchman, the slinger did good. I shot a bow, and Lewis shot his bow, and we took out most of them, but I was a, a little concerned. Mile, turn right onto South Troop Street, US 14, business route. I was concerned with their slingers, and so I charged and, and finished off the last one. So then I had the idea that, hey, let's... <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, this is totally Conan, totally tropey, uh, definitely within genre. We took their robes, uh, put one of their dead bodies on the ladder, and carried it back to the ziggurat in an effort to uh, deceive our way or make our way into the ziggurat through deception. And it worked. We did get into the ziggurat. Turn right onto uh, South Street. But I had to leave US after. 14, business route, then turn left onto West Jackson Street. After that little plan came into fruition. But uh, what I wanted to talk about a little bit is this idea of how powerful cover is, which I actually like. I love cover being take powerful. Take the next left onto West Jackson Street. I, I would love to take that concept of um, cover and move it into other systems, but I'm not sure I like it specifically. I did like how good the cover worked, because you would never want to storm people in cover for damn sure. Continue I can't even for five imagine. Miles. 
I can't even imagine what that would be like in uh, mass combat attacking a siege when you have to hit them twice in one round. Is it the same guy? I don't know. But it was nasty. We wiped them out in just a couple rounds, honestly. And uh, so I think it worked the, the way uh, that Taylor wanted it to work. And I think it's a good... Um, it's a good segue or it's a good preparation for the game when we get into that. I really want to see what happens with some uh, larger mass melees. Not not a like not mass combat, but I mean our a fairly large group. Well, I mean we did fight a, a group as well armored as ourselves. Don't ever get into that. I don't think. I think that's what we know is we don't want to get into that. We always want to have some archers from cover and that sort of thing because that was a boon, boon, boon. Anyway, good job to Taylor. Uh, I have to complain that I'm old and I don't know how often I'm going to be able to make that game because it seems to go a little later than I can go right now. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to say good work, Taylor. Thanks, everyone, for calling in. Still curious to hear about your thoughts on cover and what system you like the best. Call in, let me know, and on to the next recap. I was just a normal guy, didn't know what to do with my life, and I found this app, I found this app, I found this app, it's called Anchor, I plugged it in, something came over me, Everything was okay. Something came over me. It's not a cult, it's a choice. It's not a cult, it's a choice. It's not, it's not a cult. I love my anchor app. It's all I need. Something came over me. It's not a cult, it's a choice. It's not a cult, it's a choice. It's not a cult, it's a choice. And now I have all the friends that I need. Because my world is anchor. The world is anchor. And I'm tethered. I'm tethered. Mr. Hobbs, Roy here. When you do a podcast and immediately forget what you podcasted about, that's called Vancian Podcasting. All right, a little fun music from TJ Drennan and uh, one of my classic call-ins from uh, Roy. Thanks for that, you too. Anyway, the next game is the Valley of the Manicore. We finished up session nine. It's the second session that we had uh, my good... My good buddy Brian Tackle jumped in to uh, help us get to where we needed to be. Uh, Edwin was out again. I don't know if he had concrete or what his deal was. He said he was traveling. Taylor had some issues, some child issues, but we got to see him for a little bit. We continued on in our efforts to uh, kill. There's going to be spoilers because this is kind of a recap, right? Our efforts to deal with the dream thief who had stolen my character, the Crimson Cleric's uh, the Cleric of the Crimson Cult, Ouroboros, his 
staff of Issy, the snake staff, the one that helped us kill the cave troll. It's a really powerful magical item, in my opinion, especially for a first level. Now second, spoilers, level cleric. Uh, yeah, it took 10 sessions to get to level 2 in this game. Holy Toledo. Um, so yeah, uh, we ended up finding out what the dream thief was. And uh, he kicked our butts the first time. In fact, a single spell that he used had us fleeing for our lives uh, that helped us go and find a new cave area uh, a new area campsite and then we fought a giant rattlesnake which was uh, a risky maneuver for some first level characters save or die situation uh, thank goodness for shield sunderings there uh, but we we were also out of food because the damn dream thief not only stole my staff he also stole all our rations or is it rations? How do you say it? I say rations. Right, well, you can say whatever you want, Thaddeus Moore. Uh, seriously, though, uh, it was fun. We got some food out of that, and I got some poisonous snake snacks. Uh, would you like some snake snacks, sir? I would. Thank you very much. And then we uh, went and dealt with um, the Dream Thief, and we were successful. In half a mile, keep right to stay on Kishwaukee Valley Road. We are four first-level PCs, a cleric, a magic user, a fighter, and a halfling. And we had just dealt dealt with a giant rattlesnake. I don't know how many hit dice that dude had. But then we dealt with this other guy who was fairly tough. Keep right to stay on Kishwaukee Valley Road. And had four or five jackals with him that use wolf stats. Do you guys know how tough wolves are for first level characters? Now put a leader for nine miles. who casts spells and has two attacks and we survived. It was insane. Our um, light spell did not work. I did have protection from evil because after that first missing that first save, I did not want to have another issue with that. There's some mysteries about this Dream Thief character that I'm a little curious about. But all in all, I'm having a good time with it. Uh, it's nice to be able to have a game that I don't have to put a ton of prep time in and I can just play. Don't get me wrong, I interact on the Discord and discuss it and I'm a very active player with lots of ideas. And we did find a treasure map in the giant rattlesnake's gullet. How does that happen? Who put it in there? Stuffed rake tonight, anyone? It's late, guys. I'm sorry. I'm silly. Um, anyway, if you have any uh, thoughts on anything I've said concerning this recap of Session 10 of the Valley of the Manticore, let me know. And I think I'll part with, I'm looking for players who are going to engage in an urban environment in the... I don't know if it's Old School Essentials or Hyperborea or Castles and Crusades, but we're looking to get into a faction, politics-heavy, urban environment in Chromarium and the Hyperborea setting. If you're interested in that, give me a call. Let me know what you think about urban fantasy, urban D&D-type fantasy in Hyperborea. And that reminds me, my last thing is, I read somewhere that young players 
think that D&D is not a term for fantasy role-playing games in general. I would disagree. I use it all the time, especially with non-D&D players. But I also use it with D&D players. Hey, we won D&D tonight. Guess what? I don't play D&D 5th edition, which is probably what they're thinking of as D&D, in a long time. But I still call it D&D. I also call LFG, OSE, Hyperborea, Castles and Crusades, Tyler's Game, whatever. It's D&D. Get over it. If not, that's okay too. I don't care. Stay alive, brothers and sisters and uh, anything in between and beyond. And thank you. It's better to burn out than to fade away. Get lost in a gutter, baby. Lost in a gutter, baby.